Hello? Good morning? Are we on? Are we on? Can't hear me. Okay, we go without a microphone. Don't need one anyway. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Amen. It's good to be here. This is going to be a first. A first? A first. First time in the history of this church. I can consider a little background on this. Uh, it's the month of July, right? Seventh month. This is the 11th day of July. So it's the first time in history we're going to have 7-Eleven music in this church. <laughs> uh, I got you. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Do we, uh, do we have any birthdays? I know we've got one, Miss Doris. Anybody else? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. And many more. <laughs> Anniversaries. Anybody with an anniversary this week or next week or next month? Okay. Uh, let's see, I had an announcement I was supposed to make and can't remember now what it was. We'll think about it, about it sooner or later. Business meeting? Business meeting tomorrow night, yes. Uh, right, tomorrow night. Yeah. Miss Mary, we're starting on a uh, new, uh, starting on a new uh, Bible study tonight, are we? Oh, are we? All right, I'm going to finish up. Revelation. Right. Okay, then uh, let's uh, praise the Lord this morning by uh, turning to number 160. There will be showers of blessing. Amen. Let's stand and sing.
future. Our Father in God, Lord, we are humbled before you this morning because, Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. All power, all glory, all honor, it's all yours. All praise to thee. Lord, we thank you for the mercy drops that are following around us. But, Lord, we ask for the shower to come this morning. Rain down on us your glory and fill this place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Our communion hymn this morning, number 260, Come Share the Lord. Amen. this morning. came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into a time of trial. The spirit, I think I just got a mic. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping. 
for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour is come. That came from Mark 14, 37 through 41. It said, Near Gethsemane, there is a cave where some believers and disciples were told to wait while Jesus went into the olive grove and prayed late that night. Perhaps, perhaps he did not want them to see him in his greatest distress. But before going into the garden, Jesus asked his three closest companions, Peter, James, and John, to go with him. He revealed to the three of them just how deeply grieved he was. He asked them to stay awake with him and then asked them to remain in the garden as he went just a little further to pray by himself. Jesus fell to the ground to pray, but then after a period of time, he went back to Peter, James, and John. He repeated this pattern, praying alone and then returning to the disciples three times before Judas arrived with the temple guards to arrest him. Some have suggested a parallel between these three occasions and the three temptations Jesus experienced at the beginning of his ministry. The fact that the disciples had fallen asleep each time points to their own temptation and more importantly to the temptation of his followers ever since to sleep when Christ most needed this. At times, as pastor, I have been, not me, I'm not the pastor, but the guy that wrote this was. At times, as a pastor, I have been asleep on the job. On the day I was writing this devotion, a member of my church died. Someone about whom I truly cared. I knew that he was ill. I had spoken with his wife earlier in the year. I pastor a very large church with a team of pastors and lay people who provide care for our members. And he was cared for by others in that group. However, when I received notice about his death, I was stunned and grieved. I called his wife to convey my condolences, but I felt such sadness that I had missed the chance to be with him in the days leading up to his death. I had been asleep on the job. In the New Testament, being awake is a phrase used to describe being spiritually ready, most often for the return of Christ, but also ready to do what the Lord needs whenever we need. He needs us. It entails a watchfulness and a way of paying attention to what is happening around us, to the needs of others, and to, to the direction of the Holy Spirit. We are meant to stay awake and keep watch. Have you ever, like me, and like those first disciples, fallen asleep when Christ truly needed you? says, Lord, many times my spirit has been willing to do your will, but my flesh has been weak. Help me to stay awake, to listen for your voice, and to be used by you to care for your people. Amen. says, the scripture Mitch will be preaching today points out to what we do and what we don't do can give us eternal life or eternal damnation. Jesus always gives us a way out if you believe in him. And then I had a, the same verse, uh, uplifting verse from Chronicles, uh, second chapter, uh, seven, second Chronicles, second chapter, verses uh, 14. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, 
shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Does your life matter? Each and every one of us is special in God's plan. We may think that what we do doesn't matter, that God can work miracles through each and every one of us. We've been studying Revelations on a Sunday night, and uh, I guess uh, we know that our Lord and Savior is coming back, and it could be soon, and it could be down the road sometime. If not in our generation, we need to prepare our children for what will be coming. So we may, we may go to meet our, our Lord and Savior, but our children may be facing some of the worst times ever to be recorded in man's history. So we need to, we need to give them the knowledge of what, what is coming. Amen. And also we need to know that the decisions they make, if they accept the sign that, uh, that's coming that says you cannot buy or sell anything without taking a sign, if they accept that sign, they're damned for hell. And people, we need to let our children know what's going to happen in the future. It may not be, I mean, it may be years down the road, but, you know, if you look at some of the signs, it could be soon. Not just our children, all children. Yes, all children. You are very special in God's plan. Do not fall asleep when things are falling around us as a nation or personally. Let God work through you to bring his plan to completion. Let's take a few moments just to speak to God and listen to him. Father, Savior, Creator, giver of all good things. We thank you, Lord, that you've given this this memorial to us to, to remember you, to remember Jesus, to remember his death upon the cross and his, his miraculous resurrection. Bless this loaf this cup that they might truly keep your memory alive in our hearts in Jesus name we pray amen Amen. when Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room Jesus took the bread and blessed it broke it and gave to each of them saying this is my body broken for you And likewise the cup, when they had eaten, Jesus took it and giving thanks, passed it among them, saying, This is my blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you.
stand for the doxology. Number 555 is our next song, When We All Get to Heaven. This is, uh, this is the sermon on, uh, on the sheep and the goats. When Jesus comes back, he will separate the sheep from the goats. And uh, this, uh, this song speaks to that as well as so many others. When we all get to heaven. think about Christ's return there's uh, there's no one who's written any better about it I think than uh, than Bill Gaither Amen. the king is coming yes the marketplace is empty no more traffic in the streets all the builders tools are silent no more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors. In the courtroom, no debate. Work on earth is all suspended. 
As the king comes through the gate, oh, the king, sing with me, is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet shouting, and now his face I see. Oh, the king is coming. The king. this morning is from Matthew chapter 25 it'll be verses 31 through 46 it's a parable of the sheep and the goats when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? 
When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me. You who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I, didn't, I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and imprisoned and you did not look after me. They also will answer the Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty? Or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of these, one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? You know, uh, this morning we had a little snafu, technical difficulty with our sound system. And uh, I just want everybody to know that sometimes demons seem to get into our uh, sound system and our audio system and try to mess up things for our service. But I also want to point out that Brother Mark got it going and he never missed a screen. He's good, ain't he? He's good. All right, well, you know, there's uh, different people have different thoughts on these passages of Scripture about the sheep and the goats. and Some say, well, this is, uh, you know, the great white throne and a separation of those who are saved and those who are lost. Then there's those who say, well, this is just a separation of everybody that's saved, uh, but those who did good things and those who did bad things. I think that misses the point, that last one, because it's very clear what happens to the people who did not do <laughs> the good things. They were sent to eternal damnation, to an eternal fire. So I want to establish right off the bat <laughs> what this is. Now, I also want to say this. What's the difference between a sheep and a goat? It, just physically, a real sheep and a real goat. What's the difference? Anybody? I'm sorry? <laughs> the hair? Yeah. Attitude. Yeah, belly goats are kind of rough to get along with. I know. But I tell you what, though, down in my house in Henryville, if I got an echo, yes. all right, let me move. Move away from some of the other mics there. Uh, my, uh, my neighbor has a couple of goats. And he's uh, got a billy goat and a nanny goat, I guess. Is that right, nanny? Yeah. And the billy goat, <clears throat> it's funny. He climbs a fence, comes over in my yard. I remember the first time I went down there, after I hadn't been there in a long time, I opened the gate, and there's a goat standing there looking at me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I said, come here, Billy. He walks up to me. I started petting his head. He followed me everywhere I went. Tried to get him to go across the fence. Wouldn't do it. <laughs> so I went over to the neighbors, and I said, uh, your belly goat is, is in my yard. And they handed me these little cracker things. And they said, hold this in front of him and he'll follow you right over here. And that's what I did. And when he got in their fence instead of mine, I let him have it. But he was taking bites along the way. <laughs> <clears throat> but I kept 
cautious when I turned my back on him. (laughs) And I think you know why. (laughs) Billy goats will butt you. And uh, so I was cautious. And, you know, I went in the garage and he wanted to follow me in the garage. And then he started chewing on stuff. So I had to run him out. But, you know, there is a difference between sheep and goats. But when you're just standing there looking at a sheep and a goat, you don't really think that goat's evil. And the sheep is so sweet and kind. Usually you think, man, they stink. (laughs) But the thing is, is God uses this as an illustration. And I think that part of the purpose of that is because you can't look at somebody and say, you're saved, you're saved. You're lost, you're lost, you're evil, you're... (laughs) You can't do that. Now, if we get to know a person over time, just like when you get to know an animal, you learn their characteristics. You learn their behavior patterns. You learn whether they're actually following God's will or their own. Now, when we follow our own will, whether we realize it or not, we're actually following the devil's will. You know what the devil says if it feels good to it? Isn't that how we choose what we do? If it feels good, that's what we want to do. I mean, you know, I like eating a lot. (laughs) And uh, Ken back there, even though he's skinny, he likes to eat a lot too. The difference is, his gets processed differently somehow. His don't stick. (laughs) Mine does. But, you know, the Lord is giving us this illustration so that we can learn. You know, in another place, we're told that by their works, you will know them. You know, a tree is known by its fruit. We cannot judge whether a person is lost or saved, but we can be a fruit inspector. We can see the fruits of a person's life, whether they're doing good things or whether they're doing bad things or whether they're doing nothing at all. (laughs) And when you're doing nothing at all, you're doing bad things, folks. Plain and simple. When we do nothing, it's just like the parable that we studied last week the one who just got one talent and then did nothing with it, hid it, give it back when the master came. But he's showing us here, I think, the significance of how the world should see the difference between a sheep and a goat. How the world should see the difference between a Christian and a lost person. And I have to wonder if in today's culture, the church of today, if people looking from the outside in, if they can actually tell a difference between the people in the church and the people out of the church. The church itself has got to the point, many churches, praise God, not all, but many churches have got to the point to where they accept everything that man says. And nothing that God says. Isn't that sickening? Here we're supposed to be God's representatives on earth in the church. And yet these people call themselves Christians. And yet their works do not show the fruit of the spirit. Their works show the fruit of the devil. And that is a shame that brings reproach on the name of our Lord and Savior, my God. And I'm not happy about it, folks. I don't like when people run down the name of my Lord, claiming to be doing things in his name that he never approved of. And it's very plainly written in his word that he does not approve 
And so he's showing us what he expects from his people. You know, you think about what is heaven. Somebody tell me, what is heaven? Home? What else? How would you describe heaven? Peaceful? Peaceful? I'm sorry. Paradise. Paradise? Yeah. What else? Yeah. I mean, is there anything bad that can be said about heaven? No. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no sickness. There's no want. There's no lack. Everything is provided. Everything is wonderful. Everything is beautiful. There is nothing you will ever want for. In fact, there will be more than what you know what to do with. And I think that in this parable, God is telling us by the things that we are supposed to be doing as Christians, by meeting other people's needs, we're trying to imitate heaven on earth. We're trying to see, oh, look, here's my brother in Christ and he is without food. What can I do to help meet that need? Now, in heaven, that's not going to be an issue. But here, this is what we're here for, folks. We're not here just to soak up all of God's blessings and hoard it in a corner somewhere and then to go back to heaven and say, Lord, look, here's all your blessings you gave me. I give them back to you. That's what the man with the one talent did. No, when he blesses us, we're to use that to bless somebody else. When you see a brother or sister in Christ that is doing without clothing and you have more than enough, share what you have. When you see a brother and sister that is sick and in the hospital, go and visit. When you see somebody that gets put in prison for their faith, not because they murdered somebody, In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Not because they robbed somebody, but because of their faith. You know, Paul spent a lot of time in prison. Peter sat in prison because of their faith. There are many people around the world today that are in prison because of their faith. And we need to remember those people in our prayers. That's one way that we're reaching out to help them even though they're far, far away across the ocean. That doesn't mean that we don't care about what happens even though we don't have easy access. But when we pray, it activates angels to go and meet those needs, folks. Prayer is one of the most powerful tools that a Christian has Every time a Christian prays that is right with God, that has confessed up their sins, and does everything, it says, the the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that applies to women too, by the way. That's cosmos, mankind. Not just man physically, but mankind. And every time... When a righteous person prays, immediately an angel is sent to attend to that need. Does that mean that immediately everything's going to be answered? No. Even uh, we're told Daniel, even though he was the man of God, he was. When he prayed to ask for an answer, it took him three weeks. Why? Because the devil and his angels were fighting against him getting that answer. Prevented the angel from coming for three weeks and giving him his answer. So we don't give up either, do we? If you quit, you definitely are going to lose out. We are to be persistent. And sometimes some of us are persistently aggravating, but still, (laughs) we're persistent, right? But you look at the things that he says, you know, 
First of all, I want to point out that we're told in verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom, listen to what this says, prepared for you since the creation of the world. Sounds like Sunday school class. God already had a place for us even before he created us. Isn't that awesome? God's mind we just can't fathom. But he talks about being hungry and getting something to eat, thirsty and getting something to drink, a stranger and being invited in, needing clothes and you got it, being uh, sick and you, you took care of me, being in prison and you visited me. And then what do the righteous say? They say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or when did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or give you a drink or clothe you or visit you while you were in prison or while you were sick? They had no idea that they had done these things. They look at Jesus and they look on his face and they say, Lord, I don't remember seeing you when I was doing these things. When did we do these things for you? And he says... When you did it to the least of one of these, my brothers, or in the old King James brethren, (laughs) you did it unto me. Now, the question then becomes, who are his brothers? Is he just talking about the Jews? No, but he is talking about the Jews. But he's also talking about the Christian. He's talking about everyone who has put their faith in him. Everyone who is saved. It can be Messianic Jews. It can be Gentiles. It can be anybody. You know, I'm getting so sick and tired of hearing discrimination. Discrimination. I'm upset about this. I'm upset about that. Well, I'll tell you what I'm upset about. I'm upset about the lies that are being told. I'm not a racist against anybody. I don't dislike anybody because of their skin color or because of their nationality or because of anything other than their actions. I judge people by their character like the Bible says. And I'm pretty sure that everybody in here is the same way. So when they tell me that all white people are racist, I have a problem with that. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Now, how can a racist white person be a good Christian and go feed black people or brown people or whatever? Uh, I'm sorry, that don't happen. If you're a true racist, you're not going to do that. But if you're a true Christian, you are. In Christianity, there's no color. In Christianity, there's no nationality. In Christianity, there is nothing but Jesus Christ. And his blood shed for our sins. We are all brothers and sisters. Period. And I love those people just like they're my own children or my own parents or my own brothers and sisters. Because they are. That's what he's making the point here. Is we love people. We love people and we show the love of God to them by our actions. He is not saying here, I want to make this very, very clear. He is under no circumstances saying that by these good works you can earn your way to heaven. That is not what this parable says. That is not the meaning of any scripture. What he's saying is is that Because you are a Christian, you have the love of God in your heart for your fellow man. And since you have the love of God in your heart as a man or woman of God, you show it by your actions. Amen? Amen. 
That's the way it's supposed to be, folks. And plain and simple, if you claim that you are a man or woman of God that walks with God and you don't do these things, you have been deceived. You are not a sheep. You are a goat. You know, there's no such thing as a lazy Christian. There isn't. Think about it. James said, faith without what is? Faith without works is dead. Now, does this mean that we have to constantly be busy about going to make sure everybody's okay? No. But it does mean that we care about other people. It does mean that we keep an ear open and an eye open for the needs of other people. And if and when we are able to help, or we know someone who can, if we do nothing, that's not showing the love of God. But if we do something, anything is better than nothing. If we can't do it, we can ask the church. Or we can ask somebody at church. Or we can ask somebody we know has more than we have. Can you help this person? The worst that can happen is they say no. But then we've done what we could. Right? There are a lot of needs in the world today. Now there's a lot of them that are self-inflicted. There's also a lot of people who want a free ride. And unfortunately, the culture today is teaching people that you should get a free ride. Everything should be free. Your education should be free. Your food should be free. Uh, you know, well, I'm sorry. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Well, where does that fit into that other culture idea? I don't think it does. Let's see. There are men who say you can have everything for free, yet God says you have to work for it. I wonder which one's right. Anybody... Anybody in here tell me who's right, God or man? Oh, you really think it's God? <laughs> There's a lot of people seem to disagree with that. Obviously, they haven't read what it says in here, have they? Or if they did, they read it the way they wanted it to be instead of what it actually says. Because Jesus saying right here, that if you don't show the love of God that he put into you when he gave us the Holy Spirit, when he washed us with his blood and, and put the Holy Spirit in us so that we were empowered to do his works. If we don't do them, then he's saying, huh, Lord, when did we see you and not do these things. Then he says, he, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Now, previously he said that they would go into the, the heaven, the paradise place. Now he says, then they will go away to eternal Punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And earlier he said, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for everybody. No. Prepared for Christians. No. <laughs> eternal fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never intended for man to go there at all. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son, his only son, to die a terrible death on the cross so that you did not have to go to hell and be punished in eternal flames for all of eternity. Rather, he did everything for us to pay the debt 
so that when we put our faith in what he did and accepted him as Lord and Savior and allow him to cleanse us by his blood, then we have the privilege of going into paradise when we leave this body behind. But in the meantime, you know, I remember an old preacher one time talking about the dash. Anybody ever heard a preacher talking about the dash? On a tombstone, there's a birth date and there's a death date. And in between, there's a dash. (laughs) He said, the date of birth is easy. The date of death is determined. But in between, in that dash, in that dash is what we're going to be judged on. In that dash. Here, he's telling us what to do in that dash, in that time between birth and death. So, my question this morning is, how are we doing? That scripture tells us very clearly what we should be doing. Caring for others. Loving others. And, and, and that means also that we're loving people outside of Christ into the kingdom of God. How are we doing? I know that I have things to work on. I was reminded this week that I wasn't near as far along in some areas as I thought I was. I had a blow up one morning, just, you know, out of the blue. And it was a result of pride. And I, I'm ashamed of that. I thought I, I was beyond that type of behavior, but I'm not. The devil deceived me to think I was okay. We all have to be cautious. The devil is crafty. He's not stupid, but he has... A set pattern of things that work. And he uses them. You would think that because we know he has a set pattern. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. You would think that because we know that. We would have it all under control. (laughs) Unfortunately. It doesn't work that way. Just because you know something. Doesn't mean you can do better with it. I mean, think about it this way. The doctor tells you you have cancer. You're aware, but what are you going to do about it? (laughs) And the thing is, we study, we listen to the doctor, we do what he says, usually. And so, Dr. Jesus has the answer for all of our challenges with the devil. So we have to study what he's saying. And put it into practice. So again, I'll ask, how are we doing? If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 393, Without Him. Without Him, I could do nothing. Amen. Without Him, I'd surely fail. Without Him, I would be drifting, drifting like a ship without a sail. Stand.
Mitch, do you have anything else? Be seated. The Bible says in Psalm 